Hey, welcome to another episode of More Than Bread. Actually, it's episode number 153, and we've been stuck, stuck on Psalm 139. Uh, this will be our third episode. You know, back at the beginning of this chapter in the Psalms, I, I took us to Hebrews 12.1 because the Psalms at their very heart are shaped by the worshiping community. And, and Hebrews 12.1 gives us this unique picture of the corporate worshiping community that is such a significant part of our spiritual journey. The writer of Hebrews said, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily hinders our progress, and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. Now, that whole verse just drips with inspiration and challenge, but but it's the first statement we focused on for a moment, surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith. Right? I mean, just imagine that in your mind, a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, a huge crowd, past, present, even future, cheering us on. People who've been there, people who know the path, who've run the race, who can answer some of our questions about what lies ahead, examples which will inspire endurance or, or perhaps the challenge of leaving a legacy for those who will come after us. They're, they're cheering us on. There's something that refreshes my soul just knowing that we are surrounded by this great crowd of fans in the stands. I, I've had some moments in my life when my picture of this crowd has deepened. For example, when when I read through the history of Calvary, our church, and get a sense of the people whom God has touched and used here for the last five decades, it, it deepens. When Lynn and I visited Israel a number of years ago, that deepened my picture for this huge crowd of cheering fans in the stands. And in Israel, if something is less than 500 years old, it's not even a tourist attraction. And as I walked in places where other witnesses to the life of faith had walked, I, I realized this huge crowd goes back, it stretches back thousands of years. See, every psalm that we've been looking at, every psalm we've looked at has been a part of that worshiping community for thousands of years. It's been a part for thousands of years for millions of people. This collection of 150 prayers and, and songs of worship, prayers and songs that started in the heart of, a, of an individual witness to the life of faith. A moment where someone like you or I cried, we cried out to God, but but since that moment, these prayers have been prayed and these songs have been sung by millions of God followers for thousands of years. So that whenever we read the Psalms, whenever we pray or sing them, we're, we're standing alongside a huge crowd. And the words we speak have been spoken millions of times in Hebrew and Greek and Latin, Spanish and Norwegian and Chinese and Malay and Estonian and Spanish and, and Burmese. I mean, can you picture it? As you pray the Psalms, off to your right stand Moses and Miriam, and in front of us, David and Solomon kneel down. To your left, Jesus and Paul and Mary and John and Peter. And behind you come the voices of Augustine and Luther and David Brainerd, Amy Carmichael, D.L. Moody, Billy Graham, Mother Teresa, your grandmother or grandfather. All these people have found the words of the Psalms to be anointed by God to bring refreshment to our souls for the journey of life. And for me, one of the most refreshing of the refreshing of the Psalms is Psalm 139. Let me read it again, this time from the Christian Standard Bible. Lord, you have searched me and known me. You, you know when I sit down and when I stand up. You understand my thoughts from far away. You observe my travels and my rest. You're aware of all my ways. 
Before a word is on my tongue, you know all about it, Lord. You have encircled me. You've placed your hand on me. This wondrous knowledge is beyond me. It's it's lofty. I'm, I'm unable to reach it. Where can I go to escape your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you're, you're there. If I fly on the wings of the dawn and settle down on the western horizon, even there your hand will lead me. Your right hand will hold on to me. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light around me will be night, even in the darkness, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night shines like the day. Darkness and light are alike to you. For it was you who created my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I'll praise you because I've been remarkably and wondrously made. Your your works are wondrous, and I know this very well. My bones were not hidden from you when I was made in secret, when I was formed in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw me when I was formless. All my days were written in your book and planned before a single one of them began. God, how precious are your thoughts to me how vast their sum. If I counted them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I wake up, I'm still with you. God, if only you would kill the wicked, you bloodthirsty men, stay away from me who invoke you deceitfully. Your arms swear by you falsely. Lord, don't I hate those who hate you and detest those who rebel against you. I I hate them with extreme hatred. I consider them my enemies. And, And for just a moment, because we we won't dive into this more, but 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 let me just kind of you know today we're we're called Jesus calls us to even love our enemies, which means we love the enemies of the of of God as well. But but I just want you to kind of hear the raw emotion and and the love in in David's voice as he says this. This this would be like um like like somebody going against somebody. Um, trying to kill my wife and and me saying I I hate those who hate my wife I detest those who rebel against I I hate them with extreme hatred because they're trying to kill my wife that this is how David how the psalmist feels in this moment and so there, there's just a a moment here of of unbridled passion and emotional energy about about this God that he loves so much but then he allows it to kind of come back to himself. And he says, not, not just them, God, search me, God, know my heart, test me and, and know my concerns. See if there's any offensive way in me, lead me in the everlasting way. Now, in the last episode, we ended by talking about the fact that God doesn't just know us. He's, he's near. It's, it's not knowledge from a distance like textbook knowledge. He knows us up close. God is everywhere I am and everywhere I want to go. Where can I go to escape your spirit? He said, where can I I flee from your presence? If I I go up to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you're there. If I fly on the wings of the dawn, even there your hand will lead me. I I, I say to the darkness, hide me, but but the darkness is like light to you. The night shines like day. You know, we talk a lot at Calvary about grace about the fact that Jesus came and died for us. He took our punishment. He gave his life so that we could be forgiven. With Jesus on our side, we get this unlimited supply of do-overs. But but why is that? You know, Max Lucado tells of sharing a meal with some friends, a husband and a wife who wanted to tell him about a storm they were weathering. Through a series of events, she learned of an act of infidelity that had occurred actually a decade ago. 
he'd been afraid that if she knew she'd leave him and he made the mistake of thinking she'd never find out, but she did. And as you can imagine, she was deeply, deeply hurt. Through the advice of a counselor, they dropped everything and they went away for a few days. They, they had a decision to make. Would they flee, fight, or forgive? So they prayed and they talked and they walked and they thought. She was clearly in the right. She could have left or, or she could have stayed and made his life a living hell. But she chose a different response. And on the 10th night of their trip, he found a card on his pillow. And on the card was written the words, I would rather do nothing with you than something without you. I forgive you. I love you. Let's move on. Do you, do you understand forgiveness is always for the purpose of relationship? Forgiveness is always for the purpose of relationship. Jesus forgives, not just so that we can walk away without a burden of guilt, not simply so that we can feel good about life and start all over without him. He forgives so that we can be with God. John Orberg writes, the central promise of the Bible is not, I will forgive you, although of course that promise is there. It's not the promise of life after death, although we are offered that as well. The most frequent promise in the Bible is, I will be with you. Do you ever find yourself asking God to be with you? God, please be with us as we go through this hard time. God, please be with me on this job interview. God, please be with my kids. Protect them from harm. And sometimes, perhaps, when we pray, God, be with us, what we mean is, God, I know you're here, but would you make your presence known? But sometimes when we pray, God, would you be with us, what we really mean is, God, I'm not really sure if you're with me or not. In fact, right now, it's kind of hard to believe, or maybe even, God, I, I don't want you to be with me. I've had times where I wasn't really sure that I wanted God to be with me. Have you had times like that? I, I remember vividly over a decade ago when my friend, Pastor Paul, was, was dying from cancer, the Assembly of God had been holding a, a week of praise and worship services in the evening, and, and Paul was dying. Every time I visited him, he, he looked more frail. But, but both Paul and Arlene challenged the church about how important it is to praise God in the midst of the tough times. And so they were holding this week of praise and worship. And, and I went, but to be honest, I, I didn't really want to go. I'd partnered with Paul in ministry for 17 years. We dreamed together about reaching the city. We retreated together and advanced together and spoke together and prayed together and worshiped together and, and laughed together. And I'd been really wrestling with God about that together being done. And so I went to one of the nights of worship, and I remember thinking, God, I'm not really sure if you're with me. And if you are, I'm not really sure I want to be with you. You know, sometimes when I read Psalm 139, I'm not so sure that David wanted God to be with him either. I think there's some ways in which David felt confronted by God's pursuit. No matter where I go, there you are. There's nowhere to hide. I can't escape from you. And as we keep reading, we get the sense that it slowly began to dawn on David. God pursues me to help me. God pursues me because he loves me and he's for me. And you know what? That is God's story. If we want yada, remember, that knowing, that deep, intimate knowing, it's not enough for God to know our story. We need to know his story. The reality is that our story can't make sense of stuff like cancer-killing pastors. But if we listen, there's another story. There's God's story. And, and I can know his story. You can know his story if we listen. And, and really, that's what happened. I remember at that worship gathering for Paul that night, I didn't really sing. I just listened. And what I kept hearing was, do you love me? Will you worship me no matter what? 
because I will be with you. You can't stop me from being with you. You know, the teacher teaching of Scripture is clear. The message of Jesus is foundational. The promise sings with clarity. God is with us. Yeah, but the cancer came back. God is with us. But my parents are getting a divorce. God is with us. But I lost my job. God is with us. But my child is on the run from God. God is right beside him. But my boyfriend left me and I'm pregnant. God is in your midst. But but you don't understand the way I'm living. I'm messing up so bad. I don't want God to see me. I don't think God could love me. God is with us. And the life message of Jesus adds to that refrain. The death and the empty tomb of Jesus add to that refrain. Not only is God with us, God is so for us. God is so for you. That's Yada. I know you, but not only do I know you, I'm with you. I'm near. And not only am I with you, I am for you. Listen again to David's words in verses 13 through 16. He says, you, God, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion. As I was woven together in the dark of the womb, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. Not not just nearness. God is invested in you. God is for you. He's he's your creator. You are what God does. And I got to tell you, God never does anything halfway. He's a passionate God. He's not just a get-by kind of God. He pours his whole being into what he does. I mean, look at creation. Billions and billions and billions of stars. Did we really need billions of stars or do we have billions of stars because God poured his whole being into creation? And it's not only huge galaxies which God created with passion. He poured his whole being into the creation of, of something as, as small as the human eye. I mean, did you know that on a clear day, the human eye can easily see an elevated object 40 miles away? That same eye within a single second can refocus on a bug that lands on your arm. The human eye can differentiate between a thousand shades of color. Now, I can't tell you if it's salmon or chartreuse, but I know they're different. Sight is so remarkable. And as I started in in the the first episode of 139, I'll just say it again. When it comes to creation, you are the creator's passion. When he does anything, he pours his whole being into it. He did it in the creation of the world, and he does it in the continuing creation of your life. God has poured and is pouring his self into you. And there's a purpose to God's passion. His purpose is that his story would become your story that you would find your calling and his dreams for you. Intimacy begins as we learn each other's story, but it really deepens when we begin to share the same story, right? Yada happens when his story becomes my story. Last part of the Psalm, David is now fully filled with the wonder of this God who knows him and is with him and is for him, but not only for him. This is a God who is captivated by him. He writes in verses 17 and 18, How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. The Creator's passion is creation, and you have captured His heart. See, we want to know, right? We want to know there's someone who will love me. We want to know that we are not outside the boundaries of somebody's total love. We want to know that there's someone out there who will love us as we are and in hopes of who we will be. 
someone with whom I can be real, like all through the Psalms, and not fear rejection. And God says, listen, God says to you right now, I am the one. I will love you without limits. You know what that means, remember? (laughs) It means you can relax. Be still. Just let God love you. Don't put up any blocks. Keep your heart soft towards him and others. Let grace heal wounds and even overflow in the broken places around you. Let God love you. He knows you fully and he loves you completely. And again, the question is, how will I respond to this God? David responded with a somewhat dangerous prayer, verses 23 and 24. Really, David prays three dangerous prayers, and and that's what we'll finish with today. They're all in verses 23 and 24. He says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my thoughts. Point out anything that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Search me, O God, know my heart. Dig it out. Show me what you know, the treasure and the junk. Show me that one thing that's keeping me from taking the next step. And and listen, don't ask him to search your heart unless you're willing to know. Don't ask God to search your heart if you're not surrendered to his heart. Search me, O oh God, and know my heart. Test me. And, and that's not like, you know, the, the, the end of the term test, choose one, A, B, or C. Not that kind of test. This, this is like the refiner test metal. Burn away my impurities. Refine me, God. Put me in the crucible. Break me. Break off every offensive way in me. And so often it's the times of testing and breaking that lead to new seasons of yada with God. And finally, lead me. Lead me along the path of life forever. I, I surrender to you. I want to be known by you. I, I want to know you. I want to follow you. I, I want to make you known. Send me out into a world in desperate need of Yada with God. Let, let me pray for you. God, would you do everything you have to do in my heart? so that my heart is captivated by you. God, would you do everything you have to do in the hearts of those listening so that their hearts are captivated by you? We, we want hearts that stop striving to earn a place in the world and, and stand still long enough to just let you love us. We, we want hearts that will not be satisfied by any experience other than the experience of loving you with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. Would you search us, God? Search me, God, and know my heart. Test us, refine us, take us through the fire. Know our thoughts, point out anything. God, would you point out, by your spirit, by your word, would you point out anything in us, everything in us that offends you and lead us? God, would you lead us? We we surrender to you. We're, we're not trying to keep control. We take hands off the steering wheel and we say, God, would you lead us along the paths of everlasting life? God, thank you for Psalm 139. Thank you for the, the way that you know us, the way that you yada us. We're, we're so grateful that you know us, you're, you're for us, you're with us, you're captivated by us, you love us with all your heart. We say thank you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.